Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to uh, all our listeners and uh, viewers. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing uh, some videos called Base Impact, focusing on some um, some of the talent, people behind music that uh, made an impact in bass music of all genres. Uh, but we're going to start off with Suburban Bass Sessions, which uh, was my label and gave me my start. Um, lots of great friends and, and amazing artists that came through there. And uh, one of the suburban bass artists that uh, fans of sub bass will need no introduction, Marvelous Kane. Welcome. We are said, Danny. What's up, people? You all good? <laughs> How are you, people? Let me first by say, I hope you all staying safe. You know what I mean? Keep yourself safe. Horrible times. Keep the love out there. And let's get this music thing popping up. But remember, stay safe. Wash your hands. <laughs> I have to say that. No, yeah. You've been good, though, Dan? Really appreciate that. That's, that's a theme that we've been trying to push on, on our social medias as well. You know, we had a little chat just before we got on camera. We both lost lost loved ones and, and yeah, hard times and stuff. So, you know, it's a serious thing, and, and we do want all the fans of the label. And uh, yeah, you know what? I don't even like to call them fans of the label. They're, they're friends, you know, they've been yeah. in so long now. Friends of the label. We want you all to stay safe. I mean, that's family the... trees. Just stay safe. Don't get dropped down, please. Just keep yourself safe. But yeah, so how's life, brother? It's so good to see you, mate. Um, I think what the fans really need to know. I don't have a li list of set questions. I just want to have a chat with you, mate. It's been it's been a little while, and um, I think what the the fans, the the followers, the friends of the label really loved about it was that we were a crew. We were friends hanging out, making music together, you know, and it was just a good time, right? And and oh, you, had your, you had your side, I mean, we had a little Essex crew based out of the shop, and then there was you and Sponge and Monty and Pascal. Tell us about them, those guys. Oh, mate, you'd, either get, you'd get slaughtered with those guys there. It was just hilarious times. But we weren't just like people on label who just hung out. We were mates, you know what I mean, that hung out, and it was like a bunch of school kids getting together and giggling and just having jokes and that lot there. That's what was the good times. And I do miss a lot of them times now. You still get them. But look, we got to Zoom each other now to get them jokes. <laughs> but you take you take up where you kind of left off, speaking to any of those guys, any of the crew from back then. And I think- Bonnie, yeah, Sponge is all right. Sponge had a little case of the corona, but he, God bless him, he's still here. Still harassing me and my year olds and that lot there. He's all good. Monty's all good. Everyone's kind of 
yeah, we're still here. We're still here surviving. We still keep in contact with everybody and that lot there. You might not see a man for six months, but the phone is always there. And the best thing about what's happened now is it's kept us everybody close now because you don't know what's going to happen the next day yeah. with what's going on. So it's lovely to see that kind of thing. At the moment, I've heard from quite a few man them. It's been blessed, but they're, they're all good. You want to hear about the music as well. So like that was key to that, right? That was important to that. The fact that we were, we were doing this because we loved it, because it was a passion. It wasn't, there was no cynical kind of like, you know, we're, we're doing this. It was this. nothing. You'd go out and you'd hear something and it would give you inspiration to get in the studio and make a tune or that set you went out and done that night there, you heard someone else play a tune and you're like, boy, that sound there was bad and I want to make another tune. It was just a different kind of buzz to what it is now. Back then, man was hungry and you couldn't wait to get in studio and start making tunes. And just, you was getting influence from here, there and everywhere and picking it up and then just putting something together and liking it. The buzz was lovely. It just fitted the time, fitted the label, fitted the people that was about, do you know what I mean? It was just a wicked blessing time. And, and then you're making these songs with a passion and then you come up with something that becomes like an instant classic. And, uh, and we released the, the Cutty Ranks, Slim by Limb on Suburban Bass, and before that, Hitman was on IQ. Tell us about that tune. Tell us about coming up with Limb by Limb, Hitman, like this this tune just lives. It's just- Yeah, it, it's funny. But it was an instant classic then, you know? Tell us about how that came about and, and what it meant to you when you heard it out. It's funny that one there, because to be honest, when he asked me that, that sample, wasn't the original sample for it. That weren't the sample that I had in mind to actually put on it. It was supposed to be Babylon. A lot of the samples from the film Babylon were supposed to be the main ingredients and it was just at that section of the tune, which you, if you listen to the original, you can hear it. The vocal don't come in until nearly halfway through the tune. That was at that point there where it was like, oh, it needs something there. And that's where it got. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, oh, okay. And it was bad because everyone loved it when it started. And then when the Cutty Ranks bit came in, they just went mad. And it was just like, I remember me and Sponge, I think it was Jungle Fever. And we had gone out, given a few man them dub plates. And I remember Randall shot mash up the first that that we had. I put it in there, glitched out the front part of that. And he was like, oh, no, brother. But I still cut the dub plate. So we went back and got a new dat done. And who got it? Hype, Brocky, Gache took the boob cut version with the glitch in it because he couldn't wait to get a new new one. But I remember Brocky playing it at Jungle Fever and me and Germs was there. And the tune come on man start rocking and you hear it dropping. And it was like, yeah boy, that gone true. When it got to that vocal then, Jesus Christ, when I tell you fire bust down the place. Them rewind this blouse and skirt in tune. Me and Sponge are like, yeah, boy, that all right, you know, that all right. Tune bust through again, Rocky start again, then tune start rolling again. The team bust that one piece again with that vocal set in. That was it, murderation. It done that about six times from me and Sponge. We look at each other now, I was like, ka-ching, God, God, we have something there. That was it. That was the time when we knew we had something there, just that, for a tune to get bust, 
six times. And then it was just getting me on my last fucking nerves. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my language. It started to get me on my last nerves after that because it was everywhere. I mean, you can't complain. It's a big tune. And like Cutty says in it, it just can't done. Up to this day now, it not can't done. I still get people going to me, boy, can I remix that tune? We just put out 40 something remixes of the one, of the one tune. <laughs> wow. Going through every genre of it, because I was sick of it, Dan. At one point it was getting a bit ridiculous that man coming to you and going, well, I've remixed your tune. Huh? Yeah, that's nice, but do you not think it would have been a bit blessed for you to say, can I remix it and this and that, and I would have mushed you the real parts and see what you come up with. Nice, but you know what I mean? So we just went, let me just remix it now that no one could even think that they'd want to touch the vocal again and remix and got literally 50 and we ended up putting out nearly 40. That's crazy. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard it. The 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 original, the the version that with the Cutty Ranks one that we put out. That I don't think I've ever heard them not get rewound. If it, if it's getting played, it's getting rewound, right? It was a, it was a classic from day one. It, it still shocks me because when I actually go back and you, I listen to the original. It's like there's a, it was hardly any ingredients in it. And then uh, the stuff that I know now, we never did none of that <laughs> to the tune them. But the tune them sound bad. There's a lot of the production, you know, our very early production on Suburban Bass, it was very raw, you know? We were only just understanding like what this equipment could do. And, you know, sometimes doing it wrong, but like, it just sounded fat, you know? Sounded bad. Filters on it and like the EQ yeah. was and, but it just sounded fat. You know? No low passing, no this and no that, and then you just the banner tuning. Yeah, boy, people then jamming down to the tune next day. But now you're in the studio for twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> he he everything and this and that, and it's like oh, 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 you're kill yourself. But yeah, them days there, the best days ever, best days ever. That tune there just yeah, it was just a weird thing to see it. Like, it even now, it's still a weird thing up to this day that people still go on about the tune and still play it and still talk about it and oh yeah you've done that hitman tune yeah but, but that was time i've done plenty of other tunes after that <laughs> another big tune you did um as a suburban bass recording artist dub plate style what oh, a huge tune it was. and we only released it on a 10 final with a full pit cover sleeve and yeah, we made an effort in our marketing and that presentation, all the packaging was very nice, but we did it as a 10 inch as a reference to dub plates. Dub plate. And you can explain to the uninitiated what a dub plate is, what going to Music House and JTS, cutting those plates with our peers, what that meant to us, you know? Oh, listen, to have you, you lot have got it blessed at this moment. Seriously blessed how you can make a tune, bunk shit, and play it that same night. Now, back for us, you didn't have nine and bounce. We had floppy disks, mate. Them floppy disks, like you're watching your phone, have <laughs> plenty more memory space than them floppy disks. Like 100 floppy disks for one tune. So when you got your tune and it was on that, the only way you could play it was having an acetate. 
of it done, which is a dub plate there. And the acetate is come from when the mastering steps. So when they master the tune, they used to master it onto an acetate. Then take the acetate and make the lacquers and the stampers from that. That's how they do it. But you could play the acetate. So we used to spend money upon money for metal. When I say metal, you used to come out. The whole thing with man then back then is when you knew you were special, and you had the weapons now, you came out like a knight from the round table, bruv. You had armor, metal, that's dub plate, metal work, ching ching legs, arm, not Iron Man. To have them, you was blessed. But you'd take time, you'd spend days, weeks, sitting in music house, waiting for your turn to cut your dub plate. But to have your dub plate and play your tune, and let alone while you're in there cutting it, you might give that tune to Ryder. Hi, Nicky Black Market, Frost, you know what I mean? Whoever might have been there, you might get your tune pushed through. It was a prized possession. I loved them, but they were heavy. And you only got a couple of plays out of things. But number one, dub plate. You had to have a dub plate. That meant a lot to you. All of that's gone. Sad things now is it's not. You just get a WAV sent to you or an MP3. It, it, yeah, it's good, but all that communication and just having that smell of that dub. Remember the damn, the smell of the dub plate, man. Wicked. Anyone that don't know it, there's such a distinctive smell to an acetate, a, what we call a dub plate. You know, and then people that like that, that smell of a petrol station. It's yeah. The same kind it of thing. That, like that, that distinct. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when you get to unbox your brand new kicks and you're like, yeah. Yeah, boy, that, that smell dead. A dub plate had that brand new car. And that's oh, yeah, no, brand new car. In the scene, just like knew that smell and knew there was there was probably yeah. something special. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was a special thing to have. It was a very special thing to have and a thing to test your tunes. Yeah. So you could just cut it and play it and see what how the crowd reacts to it and go back and then make your changes now to your tune. That was what we do now is by bouncing quick master. Or, or a limit and then play it out and see how it fits and then go back and tweak what we need to tweak from that there. So after dub plate style, we made um, some albums on Suburban Bass. At that time, albums weren't really a format that kind of worked in that scene. You know, it was all about singles. Um, I think now in the streaming world, an album is probably a much better format because you want to get that, that longer engagement. You want to get those streams, but back then, Making an album for an artist was actually quite unusual and we only did a few and you were one of the artists that made an album for Suburban Bass uh, with Gun Talk, which had a lot yeah. of featured artists. We did the deal with a couple of reggae labels. and we Yeah, big. Um, big up Chris from Fashion. Yeah, Chris from Fashion and I think some Jetstar stuff and some bits and pieces. So a lot of fashion stuff. So tell us about that album and, and like, you know, I, I kind of feel because an album wasn't such a a typical format at that time. There's some real gems on there that have probably gone missed and a little bit under the radar. Some very good stuff on there. Plenty, I think there's a plenty of stuff like, to do that at my time and what was going on was bad. It was like, well, I was a youngster. I was a young fuck man. The man them never had really good money. So when people are there, you're getting things and then you're going out to America and you get to meet these artists and then that lot there and they're telling you, you can remix this and that. It's like, wow. Cause most man were just taking the samples like we did originally. 
You've got to clear them. You know, that's, yeah. that's how we can stand the test of time. Let's try and do things proper, you know? That's it. Do it properly but, but, you now. Know, yeah. Doing a whole album and like permission and clear samples. But I say, I mean, there's some just some gems on there that I just think people miss because people weren't checking for albums at that time, you know? Yes, they, they weren't. And then we did hold down quite a lot of tunes for a single release. You kind of let them off to certain people. But because we did that, we held down quite a lot of the tunes and only gave out certain bits and pieces to a few people. So uh, tunes did get lost. And then you would find back in the day as well, people would rather buy the sampler with the DJ, especially everyone was a DJ back then. They'd rather have the sampler that had a couple of the tracks on it. And then you had the problem with if it was pressed to vinyl, you couldn't really play that out on a set because techniques used to feed back and with it being cut so short, it wouldn't do what it does. But the CD market was brilliant because it got it to another like listener group. Do you know what I mean? People that didn't actually buy records, they just bought CDs, so they would buy it and listen to it and that lot there. But now there's a good few tracks on there that should get redone. Did that, that reached like a bigger market then? And, and you know, yeah. you can have them out, you've got a couple of, I mean, this genuine hits. Yeah, um, you got you got the reggae market. It crossed more a good good deal to the reggae market there because them man really didn't really like us at that point there, innit? Because we was just doing what we were doing at that lot there. But that there, it got to them because they started to. Before I remember they, I don't like them tuned there with them fast beats. But as soon as they heard a vocalist that they knew was doing reggae and they're on a jungle tune and the bass line and the breaks are kind of coming from reggae, them started to appreciate it now. And now they love it. Reggae, the Rastaman, them love jungle. It's important that it's official when it was cleared. Yeah, that was number one. It crossed the borders now. So what did, that, what did that do to you in your career? I mean, like, was you DJing more or producing more? Did you saw an uplift in like live or, you know? We was doing, it all round went kind of crazy, really and truly. I just remember being out in Los Angeles nearly every month coming out there and the work was busy as hell out here at that time. It was, it was sort of like bewildering. You just kind of like, wow, every weekend you was out and then you're just flying off here and flying off there and studio work, sitting in the studio, getting a bloody migraine. Most of the time, <laughs> when you got when you got someone who falls asleep and it wakes up at a bass bar, yeah, that bass sounds good, and then, oh, straight back to sleep again. Yeah, that was a regular thing there. That, that was hard. Some of the best memories I can ever have. It's good, but I've done the work. I've done the work, and it's now to just let the youngers take their time and just keep giving them what they want. And and so tell us, like you know, what what you've done since then, or what you're doing now, what you've done with uh, Yard Rock. Um, label. We went in, had a look back. Well, last what year was it now? Boy, it must have been about 2016. Me and Kelly, 2016 or 2014, I think it might have been 2014, but me and Kenny got a book in Switzerland. So that the jungle team was kind of bouncing about. There was a few men doing things like Benny Page, serial killers. I remember them asking me to do like a remix of Hitman. And I said, yeah, go through it, you sure? And they'd done a couple of mixes. So there was a couple of men then bouncing out, doing some good little jungle. So me and Kenny went out to Switzerland. 
I played an old school set and Kenny played old school but new, dropped in a few kind of newer bits and that. And I'm like, boy, do you reckon they can have it with the jungle? I said, when I come back, I might make a move, you know what I mean? So, came back, thought about what I can do. So I took the two labels, Runnings and IQ, put them together and give them a new new name. So we called it Yard Rock. That took us ages, but I was banging my head to find something that would incorporate everything. So then we just started back again. That was a question I wanted to ask. Why, why didn't you just bring it back as Runnings? Because the, the label we had in the, in the 90s, whatever, like you, you felt it was like, let's, let's reinvent this, it's like, you know. To be honest with you, because it was the two labels that were there, the IQ and the runnings, it was just like easier to just put the both of them together and then give them a sub name. But yeah. eventually I did want to move off the sub name, not the sub, move off the other names and then keep it just as Yard Rock, which is what we have. We done then branded it more as Yard Rock. Yeah. So the whole lot comes under one band kind of thing. And yeah, we so we done a couple of remix, the, um, the Hitman and we had Blade Runner do it but never told anybody, just kept it, kept it a secret, kept it a secret. Only me and him had it. I completely forgot all about it there. And then we dropped that, the first release, top secret. It went crazy. I couldn't believe how crazy it was. And then we just followed up with release after release after release after release after release. And then sort of like packed a few together. Then sort of like come up with a Hitman album. That was the next thing, because I was still getting the the request and people saying they're remixing it. So we've done the Hitman album and yeah, we're doing all right. It's, it's nice to get what we're doing. It's good. We kind of moved more on to a bit of drum and bassy, whatever. As long as it's dance floor, that's what we're putting out. And so what, what do you think about, you know, the, the current drum and bass sound and, and what's going on now, how it's evolved? Do, do you think like some of the youngers even have an awareness of of the foundations that, you know, were, were laid back then, you know? Yeah, you'll, you'll be surprised. You'll be very surprised to have some of these are clued up because I was very surprised that youngers even know me. And they do because you're talking about that youngers, their dad or uncle or whatever used to be playing them tunes there and they know them them kind of tunes. It's, they know, they know their backgrounds on, on who's current and whose foundation, more or less. So now with a label like Suburban Bass, it's ultimate foundation. You don't know that. You can't get any more than that. That's that's one of the founding labels there that was, that was running this music back in the day. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's nice for to, to, to hear, man. It's nice for you to say. So you, you, you're coming back home? You're gonna do something for an evolution of uh, Suburban Bass? Yeah, boy. Of course, yeah. of course we can. Tell me, what are you thinking? What, what, what's, what's the, what's the idea? Where are we taking right. it? So you'll probably get something that's hip hoppy. It's got hip hop, not not badly like hip hop, but you know there's yeah. going to be some hip hop. I think that was that was us right at the start. Because I mean, you know, there, when we started, there was no drum and bass. There was yeah. no jungle. It, was right. it didn't exist. We were, no, we were right. part of that evolution, right? And mm. we were like coming into the rave scene as hip hop. Like we, we had influence from hip hop, 
from soul funk, from, from reggae, obviously, and bringing those elements into the race scene. And that's how it evolved. So, we, you know, there wasn't a, a kind of guideline to this is what drum and bass is, this is what jungle is. We were had to be part of moving that forward. It was just whatever, what music we like. I always explain to them youngers now is it was like a pot of gumbo. You would throw in some soul. You'll throw in some house where we got the beat. Then we throw in a bit of hip hop where we'd take the drums from and a bass line from some reggae in there and you'd stir it with strings from something that you wouldn't even expect to have and mix that all up. And that's what we was making. It just so happened that each, like close the seasons, things kind of got named. That's when the genre of the names came out roughly towards the sound of what that style of music was coming out. Because remember all the dark side stuff that hit before Jungle. When you looked on Johnny Jungle and Dark Stranger and all of them tunes, it was dark side music at that top point there, weren't it now? And then straight after that, you had a couple of raggery bass lines go into it and then um, a few more vocals, ragga vocals come into it. Then the Jungle came in now. So, yeah, I don't know, boy. I don't know. Yeah, I'll just have to go in the lab, Dad. Do it. And see, see what think, happens. I think we're teasing people, but, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to be exciting. Um, we're going to see something new from Marvelous Kane, and um, he's coming back home, and he's going to do something special for Suburban Bass. We've had this conversation. We believe it's going to be an evolution. It's going to be, this is what Suburban Bass would have sounded like if it never went away. You know, yeah. we were never about, you know, my career's moved forward and done yeah. albums and, and all the things I've been doing since. It was never about being like, oh, we're old school. So for us, I think, you know, and for you as a creative, we're going to, we got to do something that is still yeah. pushing yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah, it's always about looking forward. You can't look back all the time. It's no good looking back all the time. It's all about moving forward. You can take some elements from back and say, let me take that piece, but we have to bring it forward and you can't make this music evolve if you're not gonna evolve it. So it's an evolution of what's gonna happen. Marvelous Kane, thank you. You've always gave me some of my favorite tunes that appeared on my record label. And I, you know, and I think a lot of uh, the viewers, listeners here can, are gonna agree with that. You know, like one of my favorite um, artists on the label, one of my favorite people, Thank you so much. Now, Suburban Bass is back. Boy, let's see where the future goes now. This is the blessing times now. It's a good time. Thanks for listening to the Bass Impact Podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and follow Suburban Bass Records on our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for updates and additional content. Thanks for your support. Tune in next time and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 